0: You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin. Hey everybody, welcome back to Screenwriters Need to Hear This. I'm Michael Jamin and I'm here with, introduce yourself please sir. My name is Philip Alexander Hudson. Incorrect. Uh, Yes, I'm here with Phil and we're going to talk today. Today is called, we have a Q&A episode. So we did... um, every once in a while on, on my Instagram page at Michael Javin writer, Phil posts uh, like a little tile that says, hey, send us your questions. And so uh, I you guys posted your questions and I'm gonna try to answer them as best as I can. And if I can't answer, I'll make something up.
1: Yeah, no, I didn't filter these. These are just the questions that were asked. So some of these you might've asked in other lives. You do um, lives all the time
0: where you answer people's questions yeah. there too, uh, but- And we, we post can... those, li- by the way, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we post those lives when I do, I do Instagram lives quite a bit and Phil, you post them on my YouTube channel at Michael. They show up on the
1: YouTube channel.
0: Yep. So you can go there.
1: There'll be a playlist that says past lives and not as in past lives, Michael's led, but as in past lives that Michael has hosted.
0: I like the name. I like that. I like the, how confusing that is though. I like that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I did it. And then I went back and I was like, what is this? And I was like, Oh yeah, this
0: is past lives that he's (laughs) done.
1: Um, all His right, life is an ice cream scooper. Yeah. Life. Well, uh, you ready to dive in?
0: Yeah, stump me, Phil. All
1: right. Uh, Lauren Fields asks, Michael Jammin, writer, how can one get into a writer's room on a TV show with little to no experience?
0: Well, when she says get in as a writer, it just, I wonder if she means get in as a writer or get in as like an observer or, you know, we don't know. I, I think there are several several answers to the question. I think they're all valuable to hear, so... So to get in as a as, just as a person uh, or even to get paid to get in, like to be a fly on the wall in any writer's room, any professional writer's room is invaluable. You will learn so much just by sitting in that room, listening to experienced writers talk uh, and break story, which means figure out what a story is and how, what the act breaks are and how to unfold and all that character, like that's all gold. And the way to do that uh, first is to get a job as a production assistant. Which is a low level, entry level job. Uh, I said I, in one of my posts, I said it was a go- basically a gopher. And people got some people got very offended. It's not a gopher. Okay, call it what you want. I mean, it's call it menial, want. menial,
1: the lowest level of work you could possibly consider within the film world, and it's better than digging a sh- digging a ditch, which I've done yeah. for a living. So it's it's <laughs> much better than that. You get free drinks and free food. Yeah,
0: it's not bad, but it's not glorious. It's not glorious. Yeah. So you could do that and then hopefully uh, buddy up to the writer's assistant, learn how to, the writer's assistant is the person in the, in the job who assists the writers basically. And they, um, they type the script, literally type it. As the writers pitch lines, the writer's assistant will often type it. Often they do the formatting, they do the distribution of the script, among other things. They deal with clearance sometimes. And so that is not an entry level job. You have to learn how to do, that's the job you want because now you're in the writer's room. And so to get the job as writer's assistant, great ways to start off as a PA and try to get, try to you know, hone your way to get that writer's assistant job. And, you, and the way to do that is by, ha, you know, hanging out with the writer's assistant, asking how they do their job and hopefully uh, they get sick or they choke on a pretzel and then you jump in.
1: Well, and, and let me ask you a question. When you say you got hired as a production assistant, do you mean like a set PA, an office PA, a post PA
0: mm-hmm. or a writer's PA? Are you, are you referring to a writer's PA? Writer's PA, that's the best job, but you right. want to get any job you can get. They, as I say, the, the closer you can get physically to the job that you want, and this woman wants to get into the writer's room, the closer you can get physically, the better. So writer's assistant would be best one step below that we writers PA, which is, and they basically serve the writers doing whatever needs to be done, making copies or doing whatever it needs to be done. And then moving a little further out might be a set PA or an office PA. Your goal is just, just try to get, keep moving that job to get a little closer to the writer's room physically. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. Got it. makes sense. And I've had all of the PA jobs. Like I've done yeah. them all.
0: So I'm yeah. familiar with them.
1: Yeah. So that's how okay. you get in. That's how you get in adjacent to the room. What, what about the answer to the question? Uh, how can one get into a writer's room staffed with little to no experience?
0: Yeah. I mean, one way to do that is become a writer's assistant. And hopefully you can get a script out of it, a freelance script. Uh, another, another way is to be like an amazing writer to have, and have a bunch of samples and, and, and get your script into the hands of agents and producers and writers and, and get seen. But you can also, um, you know, that was that my, that advice is a little old. It's kind of like, you know, 30 years old, but now with social media, you know, people have made names for themselves by themselves, by by writing their own material and putting up on YouTube and, and building a following of their own mini channel. And uh, yeah. then Hollywood will come to you. So there's more ways to break in now than there were 30 years ago. So I'm just kind of, t- I'm teaching you that, you know, the standard way, but think outside of the box too. That's fine. Right. Right. You know. Okay. Awesome. Any other thoughts on that question? Uh, no, it sounds like she's trying to, she's gunning for my job and I don't like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. L Barker film asks, why do the amounts in your residual checks vary so much? And context there for people. Michael will often on TikTok and Instagram share his residual checks. The fabled green envelope, which I had heard of and never seen until Michael shared it the first yeah. time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so why does it, it, varies. Because you'll get more, if the show is worth more, I, it's, every time the show reruns, uh, I get a piece. I get a piece of, if I wrote the episode. But some of my shows don't rerun a lot because they, you know, no, there's not a lot of demand for them. And other shows that I wrote, we run a lot, like King of the Hill. They write; run, it runs it every, every, everywhere, and so that's why I get more money for shows like that. And they sometimes these shows uh, they run overseas, and so I can't keep track of that. I don't. I don't keep track of how often my shows air. How could I possibly? Uh, sometimes, like a show will air on a on an airplane, You can not even know. So uh, the Writers Guild keeps track of that, and so sometimes the checks are big, and sometimes they're small, and and I don't I don't complain
1: mm.
0: as long as they keep coming. Love it. All right. Grooven we Butterfly
1: says, do you think that the number of streaming platforms has made it, made it easier to craft a successful career as a screenwriter or more challenging? Because there are way too many choices.
0: Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's easier to now to break in as a screenwriter because there's so much, there really is a lot more content. There's a lot more out there. But I do think it's <clears throat> a little harder to make a career out of it. It was never easy, you know. I think it's a little harder now just because the series orders are, are shorter. Back in the day, you'd be on network and you might do 22, 24 episodes a year. And, and now if you're on a streamer, you'll do eight or 10 and that's it. And, you know, and so now, okay, that eight or 10 will take you a few months and now you got to find another job. So whereas mm-hmm. whereas before you could basically work year round on, your, on this show.
1: May I piggyback off that question with another question? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I believe
0: at a time
1: that was one of the problems with the shortened season series orders was, you know, you were on basically lockdown, contracted to that show mm-hmm. for a year. And that meant you couldn't get staffed on another show, but your 22 episodes that you sh- hoped for were reduced to eight or 10 episodes. So you made less mm-hmm. money and you couldn't get another job. Is that still the case in the industry or? Now,
0: uh, it, now basically, if you get a chance, the guild is working out protections as this is becoming a problem. And, uh, I, I believe it's actually becoming less of a problem now. So for the most part, you'll be on a show. If it's eight episodes, the contract will say how long they have you for. And so it's
1: a, a certain number of weeks, right? Cause I've had a, often that's how right
0: it's done. Yeah. It used to be, I get paid per episode produced and now I see I'm, I'm starting to get paid more on a weekly basis. Um, so, you know, that's fine too.
1: Got it. Okay. Um, great. Philip K Ryder asks, where do you send spec scripts for family guy?
0: You don't, there you go. Philip K Ryder. You don't, they don't want your scripts. If you send it to them, it'll go right in the garbage. Uh, if you want to be a writer and family guy, then you got to come up the process and, and, uh, it, it, you know, start listening to our podcast and you'll hear how people get jobs as staff writers, but there's, you can't send your script anywhere. No one's going to look yeah. at it because they don't want to get sued. It'll go right in the garbage.
1: I only so. personally know of one show that famously did that. It was Star Trek Next Generation where you could submit spec episodes and they would read them and then they would hire them or they would hire people off them. A lot of people got their starts doing that. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. But that's the only one that I've ever really heard of. And you could just kind of point out how paranoid these companies are of being sued for mm-hmm. piracy and stealing your content. Um, you know, one of the writers in your course, Dave Crossman, he wrote a, a spec, Rick and Morty, that is very funny. Everyone who's read it says it's hilarious. And he's a contractor for Warner Brothers Video Games. He works in the analytics department. So completely separate from Rick and Morty, nothing to do with the TV production. They just hired him on as a full-time staff member. And he had to disclose any intellectual property that he's written related to stuff they own. And he had to send them copies of all of the spec scripts for any property that he's written that they mm-hmm. own. Uh, And anytime he updates them, he has to resend it to them, and they have to evaluate it before he can send it out just to make sure that he's not – they've documented that he – they didn't steal his ideas.
0: Right, right. As an employee. Yeah, interesting.
1: Yeah. So pretty – they're very locked down on that kind of stuff.
0: They're not going to do it. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: Doot Doot. What is your advice for the writing dialogue? For excuse me, what is your advice for writing dialogue without it seeming unnatural or stiff?
0: Well, one good way to to work on that is to uh, record it into a, your phone or whatever and play it back. and Does it sound natural or not? Another way is just to go to uh, a coffee shop and listen, eavesdrop on how people talk and record their conversation. If, you know, it's probably illegal, but listen to how they <laughs> talk and 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 imitate it and often people you know someone said do you have to um do you have to know perfect grammar to be a good writer it's like only if your characters speak perfect grammar if your character is Fraser fraser crane then yes but if your character is not mm-hmm. you, you have to write naturally they talk the way they talk and many people don't speak with perfect grammar so that's how you want that's how your character that's how you, you should write your character
1: Yeah, I would point out too that that doesn't mean that you can get away with punctuation and spelling errors in your script because those are reasons why people will stop reading your script. But there's programs like Grammarly that you can copy your scenes into, take the advice you want, copy it back into final draft. And that's something I do uh, just to find, oh, look at all of the commas that Mrs. Johnson in third grade didn't teach me I needed to use, right?
0: Yeah, you shouldn't have any spelling mistakes in your script. That that just looks like you don't care or, you know, because especially now... Any most programs will, will, will have, if you write, type a word in incorrectly there'll be a un, red underline They're like well you you have a program it says you spelled it wrong so Google how to spell it right you know what, yeah. what's your excuse yeah okay
1: awesome uh, Solomon Lovejoy what stage or era in your life did you realize you had a real shot at being a professional writer you've mentioned the Warner Brothers program but was there any time before that when you felt you would make it.
0: Yeah. And I kind of, I address this a little bit in a video and you never do, uh, you you know, you never think you're going to make it. And, uh, so you keep on writing and writing and that process of writing improves your writing. And so I, the, the, the short version of that story I did in a post and someone can go dig that up. But basically, you know, I, I teamed up with my writing partner and, uh, and we started writing together and frantically. So we met every day, every day after work, nights, weekends, holidays, and we wrote script after script after script. And every time we finished one, we go, okay, let's write another one. Let's write another one. Maybe we can make one that's better and better and better. And it was what the first one ironically was the one that got us a job on just shoot me, but we had written, I don't know, six or eight more after that. And, but you know, so the, cause we never, we were never convinced it was good enough. And then when we got on just shoot me, having written all those scripts gave us a little more confidence confidence so that we wouldn't get fired off Just shoot me. But even I was going to do a separate post on this, you know, we got hired and then we worked and worked in the first 10 to 12 years of your career, you know, you really don't know what you're doing. You're relying on older, more experienced writers to help guide you and you listen. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Okay. And then you get to a point, at least I did. I got to a point, you know, halfway through my career, like, okay, I know how to do this now. I know how to write. I know how to write. And then you start writing more and more. And then you get to a point where you go, where you get so good, you go, okay, I don't know how to write. You know, what I'm saying, you know, you—that's—that's the—that's when you know mm-hmm. you're a writer. When you when you realize, okay, maybe I don't know how to write. I've gotten so mm-hmm. far that I now can question things that I do and realize, you know, maybe I don't know what I'm doing. And then, you know, so you you never really are convinced that you're, you know, if you're going to be honest, you're never really convinced that you're any good. So
1: yeah, and there, there's a mental model for this. It's called the Dunning Kruger effect. I think we might have mm-hmm. mentioned it before, right? Yeah, it's that the. The inverse relation to the amount of information you know and their belief set that you're an expert in that thing. So people who are just learning about something think that they are far more advanced in that thing than they actually are. And then you get to a point where you actually know a lot and you still don't feel like you know anything. And you ultimately end up in a point where you're like, okay, I know how to do this job. And at that point, you're probably a master at that thing. You know it quite well, but you're still doubting yourself up
0: until that point. That was, I mean, that was the whole beginning when we started putting together this course. When Phil, you're like, you you got to put together a course. I'm like, ah, what do I know? You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after writing 26 years, I don't know, Phil. What do I know? Yeah. So, but, uh, but I
1: have conversations with people. You know, again, being in the course, I I read, I get content from or scripts from people. I read them, I give notes, and they do the same for me. And I was just having a conversation with uh, one of the writers in your course um, over the weekend, and they were like, actually, mm-hmm. oh, it was Monday. It was a couple of days ago. And he's like, I challenged myself to write an entire spec in five days, a pilot. And I did all the work. I gave myself a couple of days to work out the characters, break the story. And then I wrote it and he got it and gave it to me. And it was like, it was great. Um, he definitely had some structural issues he needed to fix, but it was still much better than most things I get. And he said, yeah, it was really helpful was I would just hop on and I would listen to Michael's uh, lessons again. And I just find these little nuggets that he's talking about yeah. that I just didn't pick up the first time. And I was like, I 100% resonate with that because I feel the same way. And that's, I think the beauty of advancing in this stuff is if you're a perpetual student, you're constantly trying to learn, you're gonna pick up on the nuances that you as a pro don't even realize you're saying because they're so common to you.
0: Yeah. right. And and to that note, I should show you this. So I had, this is my book. This is my book. It looks like a fourth grade book, but of all the notes that I've compiled from being on TV shows, working with other writers and someone would say something smart and I'd write it down. And then, and I, I look at it every—I don't know—once a year or every other year. And I always, I always find something different. Even for me, because I, I, you look at it with a different lens. they go, oh yeah, that you know that helps. That helps now. It didn't help last year, but it helps now. So. Hey, it's Michael Jammin. If you like my videos and you want me to email them to you for free, join my watch list. Every Friday, I send out my top three videos. These are for writers, actors, creative types. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm not going to spam you. And it's absolutely free. Just go to michaeljammin.com slash watch list. All
1: right. Apple seed. E-P-L-L-E seed. What are some important things to remember when pitching yourself for staff
0: writing opportunities? What some important things to remember? Uh, well, you don't want to, over, I guess you don't want to oversell yourself. You want to, but you want to sell who you are and the, what you have, what you can offer in the room and the voice. And um, you, I guess humility is also important. You don't want to, uh, when you're going to be in the room, one thing that, if you've gotten to that that point, the showrunner's already read your script and they're like, "Okay, I like this person's writing. Now, can I be in the room with him for 14 hours a day? Are they going to drive me crazy?" And uh, and so that's important. It's a it's you know it, it's a it could be a personality test. Is this person going to drive me nuts, or are they going are they going to help, or are they going to hurt? And so, I've heard
1: that called the pants test. Will this person wear pants? Does uh, this person wear pants to the interview? Because you pass the writing thing, are we going to be able to sit in a room for each other for 12 hours? Yeah. a Yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's something to keep in mind.
1: Okay, awesome. I'm assuming that that question means that they've already passed this step of they have a good sample, they might be on general meetings with people, and now they're pitching themselves to be in a room. Because I I don't know where else you'd be pitching yourself to be a staff writer unless you're DMing people on social media. Your feelings on DMing showrunners in social media?
0: It, I, I, mean, I don't like it, but uh, I mean, like you're sometimes people reach out to me like, Hey, if you ever, like, I'm not hiring now the odds of me hiring when exactly when you need me. And, and, and it doesn't even work that way. People come through channels. They come usually through the agents or managers and uh, which means they've already cleared a, a, a hurdle, which means they've, uh, you know, cause everyone thinks they have a great script. Everyone thinks they have a great script. It's very rare. So I don't. I don't want to read a thousand scripts to find one good one. I'd rather read a hundred scripts to read, find one good one. <laughs> Mm, and, and that's yeah. what it is when you come through the agents. It's like a hunt. You know, you got to find that diamond in the, in the rough. And so, and, and
1: that's what you said, right? You you're literally praying for there to be a
0: good script. Yeah, because yeah. I'm not. You got to stack. That's exactly right. I'm praying because I don't want to read another one. I'm like, just give me a good one so I can stop reading this and go on to do whatever else I have to do. Have you, you know, ever found not, yourself enjoyable.
1: Well, I was going to ask, have you ever found yourself in a situation where you, you're reading and you're like, oh, this script's good. Do you just stop on that one? Or do you find yourself in a situation where you've read them and you're like, I've got two really good options here. Now let me see which one I want to hire.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes and when that happens, uh, often you can't even get that person. They've already got a job because mm. they're good. So yeah. uh, it doesn't happen often. But when you do, it's like, what a relief. Phew, I put this in a separate pile. Great. Let's move on. And, and, uh, and even often if they get to, I remember one guy I read uh, and we hired him. I liked act one, I liked act two, I didn't like act three. I was like, good enough, good enough. We can fix act three.
1: I think you've famously to me, maybe to some other people who listen, you've said that um, you know it's like casting, one person's gonna get the job. So everyone else is gonna be disappointed. doesn't matter how you get to that point where that one person is happy. Yeah. Is that, that's, that's kind of how you view this as well, right?
0: Yeah, to some degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Try to go yeah. the best. Shimon7373,
1: how do you find ways to clear your head to come up with some of your best work?
0: You know, it's not like I clear my head and in, in hope inspiration strikes. I don't have a muse. It doesn't come to me in my sleep or in a dream. It's like you bang your head against the wall and you think I sit down and I bounce off ideas often with my partner. And it's, that's the, it's hard work. It doesn't just come to me and my head doesn't have to be clear. I I literally sit down and I start writing ideas. Like what if this, I start thinking about ideas, you know? So, Mm. yeah, that's the hard part. But again, and I've said this before, but um, you don't need a great idea. You need a good idea, but you have to execute it. Great. Mm. Takes a lot of pressure off when you think of it like that. Yeah, it
1: does. Um, this might be a little too there. I mean, we've talked about this, I'm sure. What would you consider to be a good idea? Like, what is the benchmark of a good idea?
0: Yeah, I mean, and we talk about this in the course. We literally go through how to do this, but it, it basically a good idea is ha- is is an idea that has enough meat on the bones to sustain, whether it's a half hour or hour long or feature. You have to have enough meat on the bones, enough conflict between these characters with some kind of emotional uh, weight to it. And that's a good idea. Uh, but, um, sometimes people come up with that. Here's an idea and they go, "Mm, that's a joke. That's a funny scene. That's a funny moment, but it's not a good, that's not, you know, that's not going to sustain a half hour or longer. So the longer
1: I do this and the longer I try to write things, the more I recognize most of the ideas I thought were gold. And most of the ideas people pitch me are really that they're just funny moments or little interesting
0: things that have happened, but they don't have
1: the emotional weight you need to tell a, a 30 minute
0: story. Yeah. And we teach that again in the course, Mm -hmm. you know, michaeljandman.com slash course, if you're interested.
1: All right. I am Sir Dice, I think S R D C E. Mm -hmm. How do you know what beats should be before an act break in an episode of television with more than two commercial breaks?
0: How do I know what beat goes before an act break? Yeah. How, How
1: many, how do you know what beats should be before an act break in an episode of television that has more than two commercial breaks?
0: Yeah. So that's called story structure. That again is what we teach in the course. And so that's called breaking a story. And so there is a procedure. There's a process that we use to do, you know, what's What's the bottom of act one? That's the act break. What's the middle of act two? What's the bottom of act two? What's the top of act three? And so these are moments. How do we know? This is what I teach. It's like, it's there's no easy answer to that. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a long process, uh, but that's called story breaking and that's everything. So we don't write, we don't write, Start writing until those moments are figured out on a, on a whiteboard, uh, and then you start after it's figured out. And that could take three to five days. Then you someone writes an outline that could take a week, and after that, then someone goes off and writing a draft. So how do how do we do that? That is that is story structure. That is the gold. You know,
1: I, I had a really interesting experience too. Um, the showrunner's assistant got COVID on our set, and mm-hmm. so I stepped in uh, to basically assist the showrunners with my new position, I was available to do it. And so I was there, I was reading lines when people missed their lines. I was just hanging out on set around them the entire time we were there. And one of our showrunners was having a conversation with one of the day players, one of the actresses, and they were talking about writing. And I just happened to walk in the room and he goes, hey, Phil, how good is your first draft? And I was like, mm-hmm. never good. It's quote, the shit draft, and quote, yeah. right? It's the bad version uh and he goes see it's never good but what it does is it allows you to see what works and what doesn't so that you can fix what you thought would work in the outlining stage and so you know that's something that you talk about all the time is writing is rewriting and you got to be okay mm-hmm. getting through that first version so that you can ultimately craft the best version of that story as you can
0: yeah yeah
1: exactly so. hey guess what Many times my own characters surprise me by their behavior. What's the biggest surprising action one of your characters has done that was completely outside of your original plan?
0: I don't know. You know, I I, I wish I had an easy answer for that. Like, sometimes you'll have a character do something that's out of character. uh, And then you get a story idea out of that. And so, you you know, you break that. That's the intention of the episode. This character doing something out that they would never do. A character who's a shut-in or a loner. Uh, going on a blind date. They would never do that. So, you know, that's all usually part of the plan. That's how you explore a character. So it doesn't really come as a surprise to me. It's I'm intentionally writing it that way, you know. Mm. Got it. Got it. Got it. And I think that as well, um, this might come
1: from the sit down and just write what comes out process, not the take days and days and days and break the story and then write your, your book report and then write your outline and then write your first draft right yeah yeah okay got it uh dairy avac i'm sorry everyone i'm butchering your names what do you do when you have a deadline for a script but you're not inspired (laughs)
0: uh too bad if you're getting paid and you have a deadline not i'm not inspired is not the excuse the studio is going to hear they're they're going to say oh well okay well you know you're fired. <laughs> yeah. That's how it goes. So you got to write when you're not in the mood. you got to write when you're not inspired. That's part of the job. And so when you're not inspired, like you got to fall back on story structure. I've told this story a million times. So I'm only going to tell the brief version. But on 9-11, I was a writer on King of the Hill. The planes hit the towers. Everyone was devastated. And those following you know, weeks and months, no, no one at work was in the mood. No one was inspired to write comedy. No one was. But that's the job. So we would show up to work and we would make jokes. And we all felt a little guilty about it. We weren't even laughing so much, but we had to do it. So, you know, it felt a little disrespectful. So we we wouldn't, someone would say something that was funny and no one would really laugh, but someone would say, yeah, that's good. So this is the discipline part of writing. And this is why you fall back on on, on your knowledge and training of, you know, story structure and and all that stuff. It's like, you know, you don't wait for inspiration.
1: Yeah, this is so right on the nose of what I'm going through in my own life right now is just trying to instill the discipline of this. What does it mean to be a professional writer? I get distracted with my businesses and with all the other things I have going on, being a dad, being a husband. So it's like... What is the discipline of being a writer? And that means you get up at 4.30, you give yourself 30 minutes to wake up and you write for at least an hour every single day because no one else can bother you between five and six in the morning. And at six in the morning, well, that's nine eight, that's eight a 8 a.m. on the East Coast and now I've got clients messaging me about pre-morning calls. Um, and there's a uh, a guy or me. I
0: love. Yeah, <laughs> or me just, messaging you,
1: Michael waking up and just in his bed <laughs> texting me things I need to do. Um, but there's a... a I don't know if you want to call him an influencer, but there's a leadership expert, uh, former Navy SEAL named Jocko Willink, and his motto is discipline equals freedom. And I think we often think of discipline as the opposite of that. Discipline is punishment, and it's not. Right, mm-hmm. You will rise to the level of your discipline. Your motivation will fail. Stop relying on motivation. Just rely on the habit that you have instilled. Mm-hmm. This is what I do because a writer writes. Yeah. yeah. Right. and exactly. if we ever have a t-shirt it's going to be michael saying writers write if you haven't written today you have written
0: you yeah. know we gotta get the okay. t-shirt business love it
1: all right uh cox.mp4 um how do you know
0: you have a good script i think i asked that question a little bit earlier so i'm gonna jump you there. give it uh, and I, and I, yeah i've answered this so Uh, but you give it to someone, you give it to your mom, your friend, it's someone who's trusted. You rip off the title page. You say, hey, can you read this for me? And then they're going to say, did did you write it? And you're going to lie. You're going to say, no, I didn't write it. And I just want your thoughts on it. And then they're going to say, what do I know? I'm not a Hollywood executive. I'm not a producer or director. I wouldn't know what a good script is. And then you say, write this down. You say, no, I just want you to read it and tell me, did you want to turn the page? Were you engaged in the story? When you got to page 20, did it feel like a homework assignment? Or were you like, oh, I wanna find do I wanna read page 21 now? That's a good story. And that doesn't matter whether it's a comedy or drama or whatever, uh thriller, you know? Then give them a week or so to read it. They come back. And then you say, so what did you think? And if they give you one of this, if they give you, eh, well, it's okay. No, there were parts I like. If they give you that, it's not, it's not ready. It's not, a, yeah. it's not ready. That's just the, and that is your audience. Those, your mom, your, your friend, anybody, you know, that's your audience. So you don't need an expert. You don't need an expert to tell you whether your script is good or not. You need an amateur. You need anyone who, who's ever been entertained before.
1: Yeah. So. I think, um, you know, I brought this up earlier too, but the script that we dropped, episode 33, the pilot that I wrote um, that you were yeah. kind enough to give me notes on, I knew I had something finally that I felt comfortable really putting out because I gave it to someone and they said I popped open a beer, I sat down, and then at the end I realized I hadn't touched my beer and I don't yeah. even normally like these 10 kinds of stories. So I was like, okay, check that one off. I finally got something that's worth passing around here. Yeah, that's a good story. Right. Yep. <laughs> now I got to do a lot more of those. <laughs> yeah. So All right. John Acosta, O2. With so much content being released on streaming services without commercials, do you still include teaser, act break, tag headings in your scripts?
0: Uh, yeah, I do. I like to. And um, because even if um, you got to remember, it's, it really, it's kind of a personal decision, but when you break the story, you always put act breaks in it. You, as you're breaking it, you, those act breaks are super important. Regardless of whether you're going to put act one or act two in the script or not, uh, you have to break it that way. So if you decide to include it in the script, and you, you, it just depends, it's really a personal choice. You you probably wouldn't in a movie, but on a TV show you might. In a streamer you might not. But if, if you do put it in, I will look at it, or whoever looks at it, and they'll, they'll zip to act one. And uh, they'll say, okay, they'll, real fast, they go, after they read it they go let me double check that act one break it just makes it easier for me to look at it and if i see that act break pops i go that's good same thing for act two so if it does if it says act one and act two in the script it makes it easier for me to find the act break it tells me that you understand story structure at least uh because you know how to structure an act regard you know whether you put it just makes it easier for me to tell so Mm. yeah uh, you don't have to do it though
1: That's an interesting uh interesting note um yeah Good good question though. That was actually just something yeah. that came up over the weekend when I was reading someone's script and they didn't include them. Right. I they found you don't it need to you harder found... to read because they didn't. Yeah.
0: But and it, it might have been yeah. And it yeah, it you probably found out and it was probably rambled a little because and it had they put it in and knew understand story structure, that act break would have popped. They well, wouldn't make sure it? of it
1: what's interesting now because of you, I actually print off the scripts and I take a red pen and I do the peer review and I will go in and I will write in where I think the beats are. And it's really interesting. Cause then I put them on like a mini like whiteboard on the front page, the title page. And then I'll with the page counts and it's really clear. You can see the problems in the script that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Oh, you took nine pages to get to this beat and then it took two pages to get to the end of this act. Yeah. And then right. You didn't. Right. OK. So there's a huge discrepancy in the way that happens. Mm-hmm. Very boring up front. Get to that faster. It's right. and you can just kind of really visualize those problems right there. Yeah. Cool. Um, <clears throat> let's see. I am Shasha Snow. Revision seems to seem to be a lot of what writing is. How many edits until you feel good enough to share your work with others or pitch your script?
0: Well, you know, we have a deadline. So when we, my partner and I go off on script for a TV show, whatever, we get, let's say, a week to write the you know, outline and then maybe a week to write the first draft. On Friday, we turn it in. So that's that. And then maybe we'll get notes on it and do a second draft. So that's it, you know, because we're up against a deadline. But for other stuff that I write, you know, my, my collection of personal essays, I have every draft saved on my computer and I have some stories now, which I'm tweaking. Finally, uh, tweaking as we get closer to my show date, uh, 50 drafts, 50, Mm -hmm. 50. And the first draft doesn't resemble the final draft as I get, you know, drafts 40 through 49 there. We're talking tiny little things. Like I'll swap out a word or a joke, uh, because it's it, it reminds me too much of another joke I did, so I'll swap it out. But um, yeah.
1: There's but on that serious. note, I think the the famous story is and Night Shyamalan. When he wrote the Sixth Sense, he wrote sixty mm-hmm. did sixty drafts of it, and it wasn't until draft number twenty that he realized Bruce Willis was dead the whole time.
0: That and that's what
1: made the movie.
0: Twenty. And that's what drafts. made the movie. Yeah. Yeah. That note um, that change made the movie.
1: Yeah. And one of my buddies who came out of this course, you know, I met him because of the course and we trade notes and he's a a script coordinator and he credits your course for that because his writing was Mm -hmm. good enough. It got him that job. Um, someone was impressed with his writing. They recommended him for that. Um, now we're to the point where I read a script and I'm like, Hey, this is, this is good. I have no structural problems with any of this. Your jokes are funny. Um, consider what if you change this to that, or what if you were to elevate this moment? And that's kind of about the point where he's like, okay, I'm good to, good to do another polish on this. And, and I could put it away as a sample now and move to the next thing.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And at that point you're really just, yeah, you're, you're putting the fine details on it. You're just making it pop. You're making it, you know, shine. Mm. So that's great.
1: Yeah. Uh, Follow up question from I am Shasha Snow. How do you keep going with more edits or new ideas after you've been asked to make so many revisions already?
0: How do you keep, Spencer's asking you, you know, uh, how do you keep going? I I think
1: it's also discipline, right? I think this goes back to just there's a discipline of just it's not motivation. You are writing it to write the best thing you can. And I mm -hmm. think I can tell you you put a post out, stop polishing that turd, right? Mm -hmm. There's a point where you have to realize this is as good as I can get this thing right now. And I have several of those where I'm like, oh, man, I want to go back and rewrite that thing. Because now I know how to fix that problem I couldn't resolve four years ago when I wrote that Mm -hmm. thing. But I was
0: going to say it's possible that. They're keep on spinning their wheels because they don't know how to do it. And so every time they make a change, it's not really making it better. It's just making it different because they don't know how to write yet. That could be what's going on. Yeah, for sure. All right.
1: 23 SCG. Can you list an episode from each series you wrote for, that you're
0: most proud of? Uh, I, I would be hard pressed to, to list any episode from a series they wrote I just, we've written so much. I have, I have, I have a boxes up there of scripts that I've read. You know, I can name some from King of the Hill, but that was 20 years ago. I can name maybe a couple from just shoot me, uh, you know, King of I the imagine, Hill. I, I was going to say, I imagine that some of these are the case studies you do in the course though. Right. yeah, of, maybe, but I just don't remember this stuff. I mean, honestly, I, I'm, I, I'm the worst person at remembering my stuff, but it's like, it's because it's done. Um, I, you know, I'm always like, well, what I got, I got to write something else now. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't have a good answer for that. On uh, Marin, maybe dead pot. People seem to like dead possum, but uh, which was a fun episode, but we wrote so many after that. Like you could hold a gun to my head and say, list all the episodes you wrote. And I, oh my God, I'm going to die. Cause I can't remember, you know, I I would have to pull up my scripts and look at them. That's not the answer they want to hear, but it's just the truth. Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, what am I? Dylan has a follow up question as well. He said, "What's what is your opinion on writing, directing short films as a way of breaking into the business?"
0: Um, you know, if you do any, if you submit it to a film festival and it gets a, a lot of attention, that's a great. Sure, that's great. Uh, but if you if you you know putting something in, shooting it and getting it up there and having five people like it and that's it, that's not going to help you. But the process of doing it is good, and you'll get better. Like I, I don't have a problem with that do it start start put making great stuff but it has to be great and you might make something great that doesn't get any traction right something else that's great you know mm-hmm. but but mediocre is not going to help you but the way to get better is by by doing it so that's that's mm-hmm. what i recommend
1: yeah i think uh matt stone and trey parker from south park they went to i think the university of Colorado. Mm -hmm. And the story that we were told in film school is they would write a new short film and shoot it every single weekend. So they were writing it on Saturday, shooting it on Sunday, editing it Sunday evening. And they did that 300 300 times. They had 300 short films under the belt before they made South Park as a Christmas card in LA. And because of that, that's what launched their career. So you know, in the martial arts world, we call it mat time, right? It's how much time do you have on the mat doing the work. Did you get your 10,000 hours as Malcolm Gladwell would call it? Mm -hmm. And my perspective is, yeah. If you want to write and direct, do that. If you want to write, just write and write and write and write and write. Right.
0: Yeah. People say like, yeah, I have a, I have a great idea. What should I do? Write it. What do you mean? What do you mean? What you do? Write it. You know?
1: Right. All right. Uh, Malfunction. Is Is it possible for a network to pick up your idea, but go with another screenwriter?
0: Uh, it, it's not likely, you know, if they, if, if I'm selling an idea, they want me, my partner to write it. I and mean, because we, you know, it's not the, it's not so much the idea they're buying is the execution of the idea. And they want us, uh, if, if it's someone who's less experienced, not likely, they will probably buy the idea. And then if they really like it, uh, you know, they'll maybe bring on a higher level to run the show. Uh, but you know, I wouldn't, you don't really have to worry too much about someone buying your idea than hiring somebody else it, it, because it's the execution that they're really buying. So yeah, you know. I
1: think that that question kind of speaks to a little bit of fear, right? This concern that people have, oh, they're going to steal my idea, which yeah, I think kind of projects the scarcity mindset of I only have a good idea or I have a couple of good ideas instead of I'm a professional writer who can write all the time and can write whatever you give me and turn out something great from any idea you want to throw my way. Because that's my job as a writer. Right, you're a yeah. freelancer. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And last question, AG seven two three four, with another question here. Uh, what's your advice to someone who's moving to LA and want to start their journey on becoming a director in Hollywood?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, similar, start directing stuff. I mean, uh, go find a yeah. writer
1: who wants to write and direct their stuff, right?
0: Yeah. For, or exactly. I mean, you could write your own that's fine or, or team up with someone. And, and that's great. I mean, for writing for, I say that actors should study writing, writers should study acting and directors should study both because uh, you, you know, you have to know, you have to know how to honor the script. You have to know how to tell the story. You have to know how to teach, how to talk to actors to get the performance from them. And then there's this whole third thing that you need to do, which is figure out where to put the cameras to best tell that story. Some people think it's only about the cameras mm, or it's only about, uh, talking to the actors or telling them, you know, but you have to be able to understand, you have to understand how to interpret the script. So it's not like you're just like, oh, I think it should be this. Like the script should be telling, the script tells you what to do and you should be using that as your guide instead of just making yeah, it up. The, it's
1: the Spanish phrase for screenplay. Guión. Guión.
0: Yeah. right. Yeah. It, te- so it, it's not, it guides you down the path. It's not this thing, right. It's not this thing where it's like, you know, oh, I think I'm interpreting it like this, like, You really shouldn't be interpreting it that much. You should be using it as a guide. Yeah, You know, it should be telling you.
1: Right. Michael, awesome set of questions there. We're pretty long on this uh, podcast for the day. Any other thoughts? Any other thoughts for anybody listening about uh, the process of being a writer, breaking into Hollywood or, you know, anything you want them to do?
0: Uh, Yeah, you can subscribe to my watch list. Phil puts out my best content once a week. And it's free. It's a, like a free newsletter. You can go to michaeljammin.com slash watchlist. You should be doing that. Obviously, you're listening to the podcast here. We got a YouTube channel. We put different stuff there. Uh, other Q&As on our YouTube channel, at Michael Jamin Writer. And of course, and for those of you who are ready to really dive in, we have a, we have a screenwriting course at michaeljammin.com slash course. We got a lot of stuff, Phil. Yeah. Oh, I know.
1: I have to manage all of it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and also, we have now we have something. This is kind of new. Um we now give away samples of, of my writing on a, on our website for free. You can download that, right? Uh,
1: michaeljamon.com slash story. No, is
0: that no, it is? about the, about
1: the scripts. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, forgive me. That's right. We, people had asked for samples of your scripts, not just your yeah. essays. And yeah. so if you go to michaeljamon.com slash about right at the bottom, you'll see a link. It'll take you to uh, Google drive and you can read uh, actual produced screenplays or TV pro- plays you've
0: written. Right. Yeah. That's free. So you can go grab that. We're, we're always trying to come up with ways to, uh, you know, what, what, how else can we help? So that's... Yeah. Nice.
1: And I would just encourage you write down uh, your the big, biggest takeaways you have. Leave them in the comments below. It's a way of locking it in for yourself and making sure that other people can learn your lessons as well because different people are going to get different things out of this this podcast and the things you're learning. So go ahead and leave those comments on Michael Jamin's website or in the notes in the comment section on YouTube that's where you're watching us. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks so much. Uh, thanks for your questions. Hope then, Thanks, guys. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. This has been an episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jammin
1: and Phil Hudson. If you'd like to support this podcast, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with someone who needs to hear today's subject. For free daily screenwriting tips, follow Michael on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Michael Jammin Writer. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Phil A. Hudson. This episode was produced by Phil Hudson and edited by Dallas Crane. Until next time, keep writing.